Father's Day. I'm proud to be a father. I mean, I'm not the best father in the world, but I do my best. Um, I am wearing my Darth Vader suit. <laughs> I specifically wore this for one reason and one reason only, so I could do this. Carly, Kyre, Cadence, I am your father. So there you go. <laughs> so we're good. Fantastic. Well, I know uh, it was funny because uh, a pastor kind of tasked me with uh, preaching uh, last week, and then right before he left, he said, I'm not going to be ready. you got to preach the week after. I was like, oh, okay, fine. So kind of been stressing about it, and then, uh, you know, he uh, tells me uh, a, a day ago, oh, you can only preach for like 10 or 15 minutes. I'm like, oh, so I guess, you know. <laughs> Thanks. I'm going to talk really fast, though, so bear with me. It might be a little bit more than 10 minutes, but I'm going to try to do what the Lord wants me to do. Um, so, uh, welcome to part two of What the Heck is Wrong with Me? Uh, that's, the, uh, that's the series of messages that apparently I've been preaching on after last week's message of selfish, selfishness. Um, but before I start, just let me clarify something, and, and very sincerely and very succinctly, that if you hear this message and you think I'm up here pointing out sins and flaws of you or other people uh, and giving scripture and hoping they will get right, uh, you're 100% off base. Everything I bring out today are things that I am, or things that I was, or things that I will be guilty of myself, and I'm just doing my best to apply the Word of God to those things so we can hopefully grow by them, not by my ideas. Fair? Okay, let's get started. First off, like any good discussion, we have to establish a validity of the source. Uh, Some of you don't need to hear this. Some of you don't want to hear this. But all of y'all are going to hear this. First off, is God's Word true? And in 2 Samuel 7, verse 28, it says, And now, O Lord God, thou art that God, and thy words be true, and thou hast promised this goodness unto thy servants. And in Psalms uh, 119, verse 160, it says, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous uh, judgments endureth forever. So not only is the word of God true, but it lasts forever. And also, the word of God does not change. As shown in Isaiah 40, verse 8, it says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Second, are there any errors in the Bible? In Proverbs 30, verse 5, it says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not to his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. There's my favorite niece. She's off. Psalms, she said, I heard, I heard him talking. That's making me mad. So. If you know Lottie's eye relationship, it's funny. But anyway, moving on. Psalms 12, verse 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The Bible is inerrant, infallible, and undeniably the word of the Lord. Every word is truth. Every scripture is pure. And Psalms 19 verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So his word is perfect, sure, Right, pure, clean, true, and righteous altogether. 
Even Jesus stated this when speaking of uh, speaking uh, to the disciples in John 17, 17. It says, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Okay, now that we've established that premise, does anyone want to disagree with that? Anyone? All right. Now, my wife hates this. Bueller? Bueller? All right, now let's turn on ourselves and let's ask the hard questions. There's three questions that I want to address today, and we'll get right to it, is do we believe every word of the Bible or just the parts that fit our narrative? Second, do we believe that God rewards faithfulness and obedience? And third, do we believe God punishes, or at least does not bless, unfaithfulness and disobedience? So the first question, do we believe every word of the Bible? I mean, if we cannot claim, if we cannot claim, sorry, first off, we can't claim to be a Bible-believing Christian if we believe 50% of the Bible, or 75% of the Bible, or 99% of the Bible. If we don't believe 100% of the Bible, then we are saying that God is a liar. And if God is a liar, then how can we believe any of it? The lack of 100% belief harkens back to the very first man and woman on the earth. As I said last week, uh, they had 99% belief in what God had for them, but the 1% was their downfall. God told Adam in Genesis 2, verse 17, But the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest, therefore thou shalt surely die. So let me ask you this. What verses in the Bible are we not taking as truth. I selected a few that have been stumbling blocks for me as well as for others. In Mark 12, verse 30, it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is this, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And Jesus even reiterates this, stating they are the most important commandments ever, and continues in verse 33, and to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. But do we love our neighbors as we love ourselves? Do we care for others as much as we care about ourselves? Well, most people I do, but that guy... Now, he's terrible. He's a horrible, awful person. He's the exception, right? I don't really have to No, There is no exception. Here's another one. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God, God's. Now, God saved us, gave us the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, but we still think it's okay for this temple to be ruled by our fleshly desires. Do we treat our bodies as temples for worshiping the Lord? Do we eat, drink, and smoke things that are physically harmful, mentally harmful, and spiritually harmful? Do we give in to sexual desires, whether they be lusting after someone who is not your spouse or going so far as to fornicating with someone that you aren't married to? Do we watch and listen to things that are not pleasing to God, filling our minds with things of the world and not of the Word? Now, we are fleshly beings. We do not like pain, and we love pleasure. Unfortunately, we often succumb to the pleasures that are not godly, and the pain of denying ourselves is not what our flesh wants by any means. Now, this one, this next one is tough. In this day and age, 
this is a difficult one. Hold on a second. Oh, yeah, this one is tough. Sorry. <laughs> now, the reason I, that's, I went too fast, too far. See, I'm not a professional. Anyway, this one's tough because it's rooted uh, in so deeply from past hurts. I'm sorry. That's what I meant to say. And Hebrews 12, 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fall of the grace of God fall of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Who we are right now is a result of everything that has happened to us in the past, good and bad. Unfortunately, one of the strongest influences in our personality and how we act comes from things that have hurt us very deeply in the past. And while according to our human feelings and thoughts, we could be 100% justified, but holding on to bitterness right. and holding on to unforgiveness yep. is not of God. And Matthew 6, verse 14 says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So even if that person really, really, really deserves not to be forgiven by me, what should I do? In Ephesians 4, verse 30, it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And we're like, amen, amen, I agree, other people should be nice to me. <laughs> well, that wasn't written for other people. That was written for me. That was written for us. It doesn't say we should be kind to one another when that person is kind to us. It doesn't say put away your bitterness, wrath, and anger because that person deserves it. It says put it away regardless. So do we believe in the word 100%? Do we follow the word 100%? And if so, what should we do? In Colossians 3, verse 12, says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Oh, but it's, but it's just my emotions. It's just how I feel. Translation is what my flesh wants to do. And, and I just don't want to fight it. Well, I should follow my heart. <laughs> Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, the last example in this day and age, as I kind of skipped ahead before, um, as I said Wednesday night, there's no bigger target of attack from Satan than a husband and a wife who want to serve the Lord. Now, I cannot help the order in which this was written. <laughs> so ladies, do not get on me until I'm through. All right? So give me, give me a little grace. Ephesians 5 verse 22 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as a church submits to Christ, also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Oh, I guess we're out of time. All right, let's do the movie. Just kidding. We're done.
Now, all husbands are saying, yes, sir, that is the, those are the best three verses in the entire Bible. I'm going to get a bumper sticker and put that on my car. Okay. Now, I noticed this as I was studying, went back over this. And when it comes to how husbands treat their wives, there were three verses there for the wives, right? How many verses are there for the husbands? There are nine. So one of two things. It's because the Lord wanted to emphasize that more or... Because as men, we need three times as much detailed instructions as the ladies do so we don't screw it up. The latter. Probably the latter. Yeah. Amen, brother. All right. Verse 25. Husband loves your, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any sure thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, I can only speak from a man's perspective, and this is where I fall short. It doesn't say, love your wife when she's sweet to you. It doesn't say, love your wife when she does things for you. It doesn't say, love your wife because she deserves it based on her actions. Nope. It says, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Jesus loves us, though we were yet sinners. He loved us, the ones who got him crucified on the cross, because of our transgressions. So if we are husbands, are not loving our wives unconditionally, then we're not loving our wives as Christ Love the church. Now, these are examples that I have time for, that I really didn't have time for, but I made time for. So there are hundreds more. Um, couldn't go through all of them, but uh, you know there are hundreds and hundreds or more. Uh, and, and in trying to follow the struggles we go through every single day, I know that I've struggled in these and many, many more. Uh, but I hope it would truly believe I would truly be able to believe to make it a light unto my feet in my walk. But to the next point, do we believe God rewards? faithfulness, and obedience. If we, believe, we 100% believe that God blesses obedience 100% of the time, then why aren't we following his way 100% of the time? There's not a place in the Bible or in history and, or in our lives that we have been faithful and are obedient and God has not blessed. Of course, we know the story of Job, probably the most well-known story of someone going through suffering and persecution, but remaining faithful to the Lord. Uh, in Job 1.1, 1, 1, uh, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. As a result of his faithfulness and love of God, Job had ten children, thousands of sheep, camels, oxen, and other livestock. And the Bible talks about the family all feasting together all the time. Satan challenged the Lord that Job was only faithful because of all the blessings that he had. And Job 1.10 said, Hast not thou made a hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. If you take away his blessings, Lord, he will curse you. So the chapter goes on. 
all the sheep and oxen and camels are killed. His 10 kids are dead because the house that they were eating in collapsed upon them. I mean, in that case, how many of us would take that time and, and curse God? I mean, or at least we wouldn't worship him, maybe. He'd probably resort to doing, we would probably resort to doing things that would not please God. Yet in Job 1.22 says, In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Job did not turn to sin, or did he blame God for any of this. When that didn't work, uh, Satan gave him painful boils all over his body, and even his wife turned on him. And Job 2.9 says, Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thy integrity? Curse God and die. We can't spend time to go through the day. We can't spend time going through the most of the story, but Job never blamed God, never wavered in his faith that God had a plan for him, and all that he had to do was have faith in it. And Job 42.10 said, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends, the ones that persecuted him. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Now, there are many places in Scripture where faithfulness and obedience are rewarded by God. But I'll leave those for your Wednesday night questions. Lastly, do we believe God punishes for unfaithfulness and disobedience? Well, many people would argue that God is a good God. He wouldn't let bad things happen to good people. First off, Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So really, there are no good people, first and foremost. Second, God does not want to waste pain. He makes it happen for a reason, which is his plan will be to bring us closer to him. And if we allow it, will allow us to use the scars of our past to help others. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, it says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, if we never went through hurt, we never had weakness, then how would we glorify in God's healing and in his strength? Now, if you walked into these church doors and everyone from the pastor to the worship team to the welcome team to the children's church workers, everybody you met, they had perfect lives with perfect health, perfect finances, and perfect relationships, perfect everything, how long would you have stayed? What I love about this church, there's more pain, suffering, agony, infirmities, and distresses than we can count. But there's more joy and love and hope than I could have ever imagined coming to from a roughed up crowd like this. <laughs> it's easy to love when you're loved. It's easy to be friendly when you're being friendly to. It's easy to be smiling and singing and rejoicing when everything is right in your world. But it's something that's only explained by the grace and the mercy of God when you love when you aren't loved, when you're friendly, when you're persecuted, and when you're smiling and singing and rejoicing when your world is crashing down around you. In Matthew 5, verse 44, it says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. If we believe 100% of the Bible, that's hard, but it's truth. So in wrapping up, let's not make the easy decision. Let's not take the path of least resistance. Let's make the hard choices. Let's stay faithful to the Lord when everything in the world 
tells us that we shouldn't. If we believe the Bible 100%, then we should do our best day in and day out to follow it. Amen. If you bow your heads, pastor will come. Boy, what a wonderful truth to hear. Not always easy to hear. Oh, but uh, important for us to hear. Will we receive it? Will we receive what we've heard today? That God is working. He does want us to surrender. And sometimes doing the right thing is not easy. It requires faith. If we truly believe our lives will speak of our faith. As people look into our life, and Lord, recognize the fact that uh, it's not because we're perfect. It's not because we don't deal with adversities. It's because we have a God that we trust. And our faith is in Him, not in our circumstances. So thank you for who you are. If you're here today and you say, listen, you know, Pastor, I, I am, uh, I'm dealing with some stuff in my life. I, I, I am in the midst of tribulation. I am dealing with a storm. I am dealing with pain. I am dealing with loss or frustration or anger or bitterness. Just to be honest, I'm dealing with it. If that's you today and you're willing to say, that's me, I am dealing with an issue in my heart and life. And I know it's not right, but I am struggling with it. If you'd be willing to lift your hand and say, pray for me, I want to pray specifically for you. Amen, 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 and amen. God, thank you for that honesty. Thank you. Lord, would you be with my brothers and sisters right now? God, that are dealing with whatever adversity is coming, whatever it is that's weighing on them. Satan wants to discourage them, to break them, uh, to give place to the enemy that he might be able to whisper in their heart that there is the situation is hopeless, that they're justified in their anger or their bitterness. But Lord, I know, and you know it's a lie. God, you tell us that our, our heart is to be one of restoration and forgiveness. We're to follow your example. And Lord, you looked at those that persecuted you, those that tortured you. And you said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Oh Lord, may that be our heart. Oh, for my brothers and sisters that are struggling right now, that are battling with their flesh day to day in this area, God, I do pray for you to give them clarity, to give them freedom, to break through the lie. And Lord, use the truth of your word to set them on the path of restoration, forgiveness, and healing. And for those maybe that are here today, or maybe you're watching us online, or you're listening to this recorded, and you say, I, I honestly don't know where I stand with God. Listen, 21 years ago, I did not know anything about God. I stumbled through life looking into the darkness with fear. But someone cared enough about me and my wife to come and share the truth of who Christ was. Not a religious symbol, not a ceremony, not about a church, but about a God. A God who loved humanity and loved us. And if you're here today and you feel broken, you feel lost, you feel separated from your creator, can I tell you that he loves you right where you are and his desire of his heart is to restore you back to him. He created you for a love relationship. And if you want to receive the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ, you can do that today. It is not a, a magic prayer. It's not a ceremonial thing. It is a broken heart reaching out to a loving God who wants to restore you. And by faith, it's accomplished. 
so their heads bowed and eyes closed. If you want to receive Christ as your Savior, it's not going to be the words that will do anything for you, but it will be your heart that God's listening to. So as you repeat after me in your heart and mind, remember you're not talking to anyone but the Creator God who loves you, the one who went to the cross for you. In your heart and mind, if you want to receive Him as your Savior, repeat after me. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I have, I have failed in so many ways. I'm so sorry. In the best way I know how, I'm asking you right now to apply your death to my debt to God. Lord, would you, would you save me? Would you, Lord, restore me? God, would you pay my debt and rescue me from destruction? With my whole heart, I'm asking you into my heart. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for seeing me in my broken condition, coming to this earth and dying for me. By faith, I receive you as my Savior. And I look forward to seeing you one day in the glory of heaven. Thank you for saving me. I'll see you there one day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.